Welcome to Zero Brightness, a podcast about horror video games. Or is it? <laughs> what is real? We're talking about meta horror games today. We is me, I'm Ali, and James. James, how are you? Hey, everybody. Yes. Uh, we're talking about meta horror games. We're talking about Pony Island, and we're talking about Eversion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Or are we... <laughs> Did we uh, fuck up and not do this for 16-bit month? Yeah. I mean, I guess technically we could have done these for retro month, but also, like, not really. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Like, Pony Island is, is a modern game. Yeah. I mean, they both are time-wise, but in the design. I feel like Pony Island kind of drops the trying-to-be-retro thing pretty quick. In my mm-hmm. opinion, you know? totally. Yeah. After like, I feel like after like twenty minutes with the game, it's just like, oh yeah, nope. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, some cool, weird indie games. Uh, it's not retro month anymore. <laughs> Don't get it twisted. <laughs> no. Uh, but before we tell you all about how it's not retro month, a couple reminders. As always, this episode is brought to you by you you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness to sign up to support the show uh we have a band camp where we sell music and merch we have a discord where you can come talk to us uh we're a club we tell you what games we're playing next all of that shit is at zerobrightness.com so you can go there and click on all the links until there are no more links to click make it your home page Yes. Do you use home pages? Hit us up on one of our, our various social media outlets and tell us what is your homepage? Do you use it? <laughs> yeah. We need to know. So, uh, meta horror games and indie games go hand in hand. Yes. There are so many examples of great meta horror in the indie gaming world. Why is that? And why don't bigger games try to pull the meta horror thing off well i think it's it's difficult um i think that indie games are particularly well set up to do it a lot of times because they're more in the pc world they're Mm, more in the retro world so they already have aesthetics and systems that are very well set up to do something like a meta horror thing Mm-hmm. And it also feels just a little bit more intimate, usually, like an indie game, you know? So you're already kind of speaking with the player. You can twist that around and try and scare them by, like, addressing them directly. You know, it's like God of War isn't going to do that, you know? <laughs> Whatever wow. the new Tom Clancy game isn't... I mean, what? where would the opportunity even be, you know? Yeah, it's like that movie Funny Games, where the... Uh where the antagonist like directly addresses the audience. Yeah. Imagine if they did that in like the last of us part two. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, I mean, it would be cool, but it's also a thing that you have to write or create your whole art piece around that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's something that's kind of hard to just toss in like metal gear solid did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people like that. But even that is like kind of pushing it, you know, like into like sure. corny territory. I think if the target market hadn't been 12 year olds, it maybe would not have been looked at as so cool, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but there haven't really been any like PlayStation games that like fake crack your crash your PlayStation and you're brought back to like the PlayStation OS, but it's fucked up. Sure. PC games do that a lot. You know, PC games are gonna mess with your desktop and your file system. Yeah, well, and once again, PC games can do that. I think like with modern consoles, really starting with you know the seventh generation, which was still that's like. 13, 14 years ago now, right? So it's been a mm-hmm. while. Where systems had their own, like, really clunky, slow-booting OSs and shit. Mm-hmm. And so, like, suddenly, like, pulling off some kind of weird meta, you know, scare thing would have been a lot harder just because of that, I guess. Sure. You know? Yeah. And also then, like, you've got... If you did want to put something in the game that, like, made it look like it booted you back to the PlayStation home screen, like, would Sony be pissed at you and censor that? Or just, <laughs> like, not let you... You know, like, probably... Yeah. Take your phone away. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things that, like, PC still being the Wild West, still being just do what you want, is mm-hmm. probably the only platform where you really can do this. Yeah, well, there was a moment in Pony Island that really got me, too. I had never seen another game uh, do it. Uh, no spoilers, but um, there's one point where in Pony Island somebody message, messages you in Steam. Yeah. But it's not really in Steam. Uh, it's just like, like an overlay over the game. And it really got me. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like alt-tabbing out of the game trying to see what the hell's going on. Yeah, totally. And it, it does a few different things like that throughout the game. Uh, yeah, and so it's interesting. I think the reason that we're covering these two games is sort of like we have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've covered so many other games, pretty much every other game in this little meta horror subgenre. <laughs> and every time that we cover those games, I mention one of these games, usually Eversion, yes. you know? Yes. Uh, but it's like, God, we just have to fucking talk about these games already, you know? Well, that's that's why I felt like we needed to cover Eversion, is that you kept mentioning it, and I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, okay. Let's let's talk about Eversion, because I think sure. this will be a shorter conversation, but also, like, really illuminating as to why I like these games so much, or why I like this type of game so much. Mm-hmm. Uh so okay, in the we've talked about this before on the show that both of us did the thing where we weren't really playing games in our twenties, right? Mm-hmm. Like we were playing rock and roll, uh, yeah. which we still do, but we were decidedly not playing video games for whatever <laughs> reason. And for me, during that time, I would still play games sometimes. You know, like sure. I would still sometimes play something on my Wii or like my PS2. And one thing I like to do is just like find weird fucked up games on the internet and play those. Uh, and so I was super into like Yume Nikki. I was super into Lone Survivor. A uh, couple other games like that. Eversion was one of those games, but it was interesting because um, this game originally sort of similar to Yume Nikki in that it was kind of passed around by people mm-hmm. just being like, oh, hey, you should check this out. Or like you just see a post that was like, this game is weird and fucked up. You have to play this. Like mm-hmm. you didn't get a review. You didn't get a diaristic write-up telling you why the game is great, et cetera, et cetera. Like you just got someone being like sending you a link and just being like, hey, play this game. Uh, and yeah, so this game came out originally in 2008. Uh, there wow. is, yeah, there is an older like 
lo-fi version of this game that is now impossible to find. I found one YouTube video of it. One. And that's it, because everything else is the newer HD Steam version. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and this game, though, originally looked like more like an NES game, and it was like even more weird and lo-fi than it is now. The HD version kind of looks like a modern game more you know mm. and the way that i found this game was one of my friends just sent it to me it was like dude you gotta play this game it's fucking weird and so you boot it up you get a lovecraft quote <laughs> on the title screen but then you yeah. just but then you're just kicked straight to like a kind of master system looking platformer like cutesy platformer mm-hmm. it's a cutesy platformer uh, i was reading some comments online and some some dude messaged the developer and he was like Hey man, somebody's stealing your stage ideas from this game. And the guy was like, uh, not really. I kind of just like stole all the stage designs from Mario. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's it's just like tried and true eight sixteen bit platforming, left to right. Yeah. The character kind of looks like Rystar from the Genesis. Yeah, he looks like if Rystar got left in the wash too long. <laughs> yes, exactly. But yeah, so the the twist with this game, and once again, like I, I almost feel bad talking about it because it sort of ruins the fun, but also the internet has ruined the fun. Because if you type this and game... And also you've talked about it 30 million times already. Yeah, exactly. But like, so <laughs> what happened with this game originally is like you put up the game, you see the Lovecraft quote, and then the game starts. And then it just flashes the controls on screen quickly. And it says, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, jump, evert. And you're like, what, yeah. the, fu- what the fuck is evert? <laughs> And uh-huh. it doesn't do anything most of the time, like in the first couple stages. But then as you're walking, you'll notice there are these certain spots that usually don't have a, a identifying mark otherwise, where the lights start to dim a little bit. Yeah. And so if you go to those spots and hit the evert button, uh, you basically descend into a different reality. Uh, yeah. And you can flip back and forth between normal world and the under or the other world, I should say. Mm-hmm. And like in the first stage, it just looks kind of weird and the music changes, but it's not like super scary. Uh, and then as the game goes on, like in the second stage, it's more scary and fucked up and there's like more layers to the other mm-hmm. world. And then in the third stage, it just goes full like bananas. Like you had hit the first little Mario box, like the question mark box in the level. And then it suddenly turns into a hell world that's being eaten by darkness where like giant hands are trying to kill you. <laughs> yeah. 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 At first I thought it was like, it's like changing seasons because it's like cute summer and then it like turns into like fall and then it's kind of wintry. And then it keeps kind of getting more and more hellish as you go down the layers. Yeah, totally. And like, I have to say, going into this game blind, not knowing what it was, playing it for the first time was like mind blowing because it was just like so weird and fucked up and creepy. And I was like, God, who made this? This is insane. Yeah, it seems like each layer gets continually like sadder and sadder. Like the plants die and then they might grow thorns and actually hurt you. Yeah. And the the music gets like sadder and weirder and just the tone gets darker. Um, yeah. Even, even you'll get, you know, before you start the stage, it'll say ready. But like on the darker layers, it'll start saying like stop and mother. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, you know, it's it's a weird vibe. Like it's mm-hmm. dark and it's creepy, but it's also just like you said, sad. Uh, that's what I kept thinking about was just like how it was like weird and sad. Uh, yeah. And it's just so creepy and unnerving. Like mm-hmm. I said in the episode about Monster Party that the first level of Monster Party is like legit creepy. And it's because it has this crazy transformation halfway through and all these creepy yeah. enemies. I mean, this game kind of takes that energy and makes a whole game out of it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So each, as you go through the different layers, each one has like different subtle rules. Like in the first layer, you'll see clouds, but you just jump through them. It's like nothing. But in the next layer, you might be able to like jump on the clouds. Um, in the happier layers, there are like trees that impede your path. But if you go like two layers darker, like the trees will be dead and you'll be able to walk through them. So you kind of have to use that as a puzzle to traverse through the levels, just jumping between layers and figuring out how you can progress. Yeah, totally. It's a really interesting approach to it. Uh, So I think even if you were just interested in the platforming aspect of this game, it is fun, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Comparable to something kind of like Decap Attack or something. Yeah, there's a bit of a -a collect-a-thon appeal to it, too, because there are gems all over the stages, and it counts them for you. And it keeps a tally as you go through the game. And uh, you can't open the last stage unless you get every single one of them. Which is actually quite the chore on the last few stages. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, that really pushes that uh, the layer traversing puzzles like a lot harder, trying to get those last few gems. Yeah, totally. Well, and and I think with this game too, uh, you can do that if you want, or you can just like play it and vibe out because it's just mm-hmm. really weird and creepy. Uh, the last the last stage is pretty wild though. Oh yeah. Um, if, it's basically like like those post game like super difficult like Donkey Kong Country levels. Yeah. But you 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 have to basically go from like the hellish uh, layer and work your way backwards through like the biggest challenges. But basically, the game boils down to like get the gems, save the princess. But if you don't get all the gems and don't do the secret inning, uh, it's pretty Lovecraftian. I mean, you get to the princess and she's like Cthulhu or some shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is the ending that most people, self-included, get. And it's kind of yeah. awesome. Like, it's got this really weird, once again, weird, creepy cutscene that plays that's just like, what the fuck? Like, uh, It looks like a... At the end of a world in Mario 3, where you get to the castle. Yeah. 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 It looks exactly like that. Um, But yeah, I think to me, the reason that this game really stuck with me was, number one, I got to go in blind. And and especially, I think the original version was creepier because the graphics were shittier. That's what I read in several places. Yeah. I don't know how I... Well, I do know how I feel about this HD version. I think it's kind of Bobo. Like, I don't know why... (laughs) why they did that because it's like it looks better technically but it looks a little more generic you know Mm, um maybe i don't know if they were trying to do a thing where like they were trying to aim it at like younger players who had been playing games like angry birds and shit like that at when it came out you know 
And well, I mean, the reason they were trying to make a buck, they put out the original game for free. It was kind of a big deal. And, uh, you know, I can't blame them for trying to make a buck, but at least include the original EXE, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, the original version was really creepy. And I think, you know, if you go back to our episode about, uh, games that don't exist and like creepy pastas and all that kind of stuff, which is a really fun episode. You should listen to that episode. Uh, I think the reason that I love that stuff so much, uh, besides all the reason I listed that episode was that like, it reminded me of certain real games that I had already played. And I would definitely mm-hmm. say that, you know, the one I always think of is Eversion. You know, Monster Party has a little bit of that flavor too, but Eversion is kind of like the original creepypasta game. Yeah. And like, it came out at the same time as a lot of this stuff, like a lot of the original sort of like internet horror stories and all that kind of stuff was, uh, was coming out and getting popular. And I don't know, I think it's cool that somebody made a real game that is playable uh, that is essentially just like its own little, you know, cursed piece of software. Sure, yeah. I mean, uh, you, you you just have to love a game that kind of like subverts all your expectations too. Because I yeah. mean, when you boot the game up, you get the Lovecraft quote, but then you're just immediately like assaulted with cuteness, you know? So Oh yeah. You gotta love that. And, you know, if you're not going to get all the gems, this game's going to take you, like, 20 minutes to finish. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you get all the gems, it'll be, like, two or three hours, I would say. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I would, I don't know if it's possible, but I might still have it on one of my old computer backups somewhere. But, like, I would try and get the original version. Uh, it's, like, so much weirder and creepier, I think. Just with, like, the blocky kind of oh. crappy crap. Like, it looks like a real ROM of like a master system game or something. Somebody send me that EXE. (laughs) Yes, please, please. But yeah, I think that, you know, this is kind of a good conversation about what makes a game scary or like what makes a game unnerving. Mm. Uh, And I think that these meta horror games are more able to do the unnerving thing than like a normal horror game, just because there's this element that is, directly in the player's mind right like sure there's this element of you playing the game and just like interacting with it and it's just suggesting things to you that are creepy without showing them to you Mm -hmm. totally and you know we've seen that with all the games like this we've covered like we've covered doki doki and uh we covered i'm scared in another episode Mm -hmm. um i guess this is kind of like the sequel to that episode isn't it (laughs) <laughs> yeah i guess so i mean it's probably also a sequel to the indie horror rodeo yeah exactly <laughs> it's a never-ending rodeo yeah uh well i'm gonna let this fire truck go. police we have like a fire uh station right by us too which is really annoying god i'm so excited to move dude i'm fucking fired up as shit i like can't even tell you nice uh anyway yeah like we've covered all these We've covered all these indie games that uh, use this kind of tactic and try and speak directly to the player and subvert their expectations. And I think it's awesome. Like, I think it's one of the coolest things that horror games can do, you know? Like, yeah. I think once you get outside of the zone of like 
action horror, right? Where it's just like, I'm going to scare you. Like I'm going to have something jump out at you or I'm going to have something stalk you, you know, in a, in a suspenseful way. I think that this is one of the most uh, effective tactics that a game can use, you know? Dude, I, I just had the sickest idea. Okay. Um, you know how, like, the uh, Internet of Things is such a thing now? Yeah. What, what if there was a PC game that, like, started, like, fucking with all your shit in your house? That'd be so <laughs> fucking sick, dude. Yeah. Well, it's kind of interesting, <laughs> though, where, like, when you make these games, you do get into that realm of, like, like, how do you ethically set up an experiment, right? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, you there's certain things you can't do to a subject. or It's actually, you're not supposed to call them subjects. Uh, like a participant. <laughs> uh, subjects is, like, very mad scientist-y. Uh, it's like, it's okay, so how do you ethically set up a study? You know, how do you interface with uh, a participant in a way that doesn't, like, put them in danger or overstep boundaries, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, like, you do sort of start to get to that with these games. So, like, yeah, the logical conclusion of this would be a game that started, like, playing scary noises out of your whatever Amazon Fire Stick or whatever. (laughs) And, like, it would be... Your Samsung Smart TV? Yeah. The machine turns on? Yeah. It would be sick, but then at the same time, uh, it's, like... It, to do that ethically you'd have to have someone like sign a waiver if they sign a waiver they know it's coming so then it doesn't yeah. it's not effective as a scare um <laughs> turning off the lights in your house and shit that'd be so cool yeah but once again like how do you do it ethically you know like you don't fuck them <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first folks ethics are dead uh they kind Clearly. of are. Yeah, Where they kind you been, of are. dude? <laughs> yeah, it's 2020. <laughs> well, actually, this is this is kind of funny. Man, I'm just thinking about like all these weird old games and weird programs and shit that I download on my old studio computer and just like vibe out on, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the funniest was... Uh, I actually got this when I was in high school, but I just like kept it on my computer forever and I don't even know why. Um, but when the game Siren came out for the PS2... Mm-hmm. Uh, it had this screensaver that would just like display weird, creepy <laughs> images from the game with like film grain over them. And then like at random intervals while it was running, it would like play a screaming noise and like do a jump scare on you. <laughs> so it was like a screensaver that would jump scare you. And the first time I loaded that up, it scared the ever loving shit out of me. Then I just like kept it on my computer and kept using it. But uh, I would sometimes forget, like when I live with my sister, that I had that, and she would get like jump scared by my computer. And finally, was like, "You have to fucking stop using that. It's horrible." Yeah. Remember when screensavers were like big business, dude? Hell yeah! <laughs> Pay the twenty nine ninety nine to get the floppy disk with the fucking flying toasters on it. Yeah, like Dancing Babies, right? There was Dancing Babies. Oh yeah, the Ally McBeal Dancing Baby thing. Oh yeah, Ally McBeal. Ally McBeal. Goddamn remember that <laughs> speaking of true horror yeah but imagine if like uh a game could like uh hack your ring and put like spooky fucking looking ghosts on your ring floodlight or something yeah that would be <laughs> that would be cool as shit um what was the name of that uh netflix uh shutter horror movie that was over zoom oh uh it had a really generic title. Yeah. Anyways, here's your sequel. Hit me <laughs> up. 
hit me up shutter i love that movie i thought that was great um i mean glad you liked it (laughs) see this i've said before that you and i would have a real harsh time trying to do a podcast about movies together because i feel like every time we mention a new movie we have polar opposite opinions on it that makes the conversation interesting everybody everybody agrees the whole time it's not fun true all right new plan we don't talk about video games anymore we talk about movies uh zero tightness (laughs) we just argue the whole time zero tightness is a podcast about me uh trying to fix all the mic stands i own and i'm just <laughs> live streaming myself going oh god oh god damn it oh, mm. oh, oh god damn it yeah terrible uh yeah i mean i kind of have felt for a long time though that like if you're trying to do something that feels like new and fresh and forward thinking with horror that there's gonna be a meta component to it like i feel like that's kind of what is the most striking to people definitely in video games and even a little bit in film you know and so i think a lot of this stuff is sort of like where things are going like when games have these crazy meta elements and like try and Mm. rattle reach through the screen and rattle the player basically Um, when you do it wrong you get shit like the tingler you know so, uh, I don't remember what that is, but that's sounds... the Tingler. That was the uh, he was like a Vincent Price movie back in the day. Oh yeah, like shock people in their seats. Oh yeah, that's right, <laughs> dude. The Tingler. Yeah. Okay. Now I remember. Holy shit. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting balance though. Yeah, because if you do it wrong, it's really cheesy. But I don't know. Like I feel like more and more. This is gonna be a thing, and you know we've been we've been playing uh, Dead by Daylight with mm-hmm. some friends from the Discord, and even that's been kind of interesting in that regard. Where it's like that game has good scares, and like it's kind of even more effective because you're talking with a bunch of people who are also all playing the game. Mm. And so, like, when you hear someone yell, oh, shit, you, like, look around. And if you happen to be in the same area and see the killer coming towards you, it's like, oh, fuck. Like, Mm. this sucks. Um, Yeah. Well, the real horror of that game comes from lack of FOV. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Save that for next time. Holy shit. Thank you for listening to Zero Brightness. If you'd like to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness. You can also find and interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. All the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com. We'll see you out there. But yeah, like I, I do feel like a lot of the stuff I've played that's really gotten under my skin or that I think has been like really effective and scary uh, has had some kind of meta component to it, you know, like, you know, Lost in Vivo, another game that I used to have a problem with bringing up too much, but I think I'm okay to mention it now. Uh, <laughs> uh, that game has like a real strange meta component where you kind of never know who the game is addressing or talking to. Uh, yeah. Sometimes it feels like it's talking directly to you. And that's just down to the writing and the perspective, which I thought was really cool. Um, yeah, and I'm Scared was the other game that we've done for the show that really just got under my skin. Just mm. the sound design and the visuals and the way things were uh, were all laid out. It really made you feel like you were 
you were inside the game and the game was reaching out of the game, you know, and like totally. fucking with your desktop and like <laughs> doing all sorts of weird shit. I had a even more extreme version of that because thinking back on that game, uh, one of the first things I think about is like the headache it gave me. Because oh, yeah. for some reason it gave me like really bad headaches. And so, yeah, that was like the game reaching out and strangling me. Yeah, exactly. It's cool. <laughs> it was part of the experience. Yeah. But I, I feel like that's that's the vibe, man. And I, you know, it's funny that you right up top were like, well, you don't see that in a AAA game. And it's like, yeah, but like, why? <laughs> I do want to <laughs> see that, you know? And like, I think the closest we've gotten is Resident Evil 7 with mm. the beginning part being like so claustrophobic and so tense, you know? Yeah, and I'm a little bummed that Resident Evil 8 looks like it's going to be Van Helsing because I feel like we're not going to get that in it. You know, they 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 forgot their lessons. Well, you know, we can't say that definitively, but I have to say that uh, Beefcake Chris shooting uh, <laughs> your girlfriend executioner style while a werewolf howls in the background did not fill me with confidence. No. Come I mean, on, guys. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm I'm happy for Chris that he's got a real solid workout plan that works for him. But uh <laughs> I want some spookums. It's that creatine, bro. Yeah. Yeah, I want spookums, not creatine spookums. Yeah. But you know what? Maybe maybe it actually will be great. I don't know. No. It looks like image comics from the nineties. Yeah, dude, I bet they're going to in the same year do that and the Resident Evil 4 remake and it's just going to be like the doldrums 2 for the franchise. I might have to speak to their manager if they pull that. <laughs> You're going to Karen Capcom? Well, yeah, with Leon's haircut. <laughs> dude, Leon is a total Karen. Okay, speaking of uh, safe ways to <laughs> fuck with the player, I think... Pony Island is sort of like the test case for the the furthest you can push it without actually doing shit to someone's computer <laughs> or ring well, light or Amazon Fire Stick. There's such a personal aspect to it, too, because with Pony Island, you're playing a game created by the devil. Mm-hmm. And the whole time, the devil's basically there talking to you, antagonizing you. So it's yeah. like you versus the devil in this software. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's sort of a soft reboot of Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny. You could look at it that way. Don't ever say that again. <laughs> what the it's fuck, more dude? of like when uh, Bill and Ted go to hell. Yeah, I mean, I was going to make that joke, but I really just want to drop in that I'm the devil, I love metal clip. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah, man, that shit's good. Fuck you. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so Pony Island, uh, it's a game that it doesn't really do the aversion thing of trying to make you think it's not creepy. Like, it does, but it's creepy right away. Mm-hmm. Like, because you, you are playing on a machine. Uh, you can see the borders of it. You can see the curve of the screen. And it's kind of like this old computer system. And initially, all you can do is play this weird kind of like auto runner game where you're like a janky pony (laughs) yeah yeah basically you jump fences and shoot a pony laser and that's it 
Yeah. But quickly you realize that the actual point of the game uh, is that you're trying to hack this system and destroy it so you can get out because you are trapped in it. Yeah. So, I mean, once you beat the original Pony Island, like, it kind of breaks down. You, uh, you notice, like, a portal on the screen that you can interact with. And then you go to, like, an operating system, and you're talking to another, like, ghost that's been stuck in the machine. And he has ideas on how to, like, escape Pony Island. But the whole time, the devil's working against you, too. So he'll send you a DM at the same time the other guy's sending you a DM. And all of a sudden, you're you're not playing, like, a little horsey game. You're, like, chatting with non-existent people on the internet. Yeah. It's super cool. And, like... The fact that the whole system is controlled by this entity means that they'll like flash messages on screen and do all kinds of crazy shit. So there's a lot of great mm-hmm. like oh shit moments, you know, where it's just like I can see what you're doing, stop it. <laughs> it's like oh, <laughs> oh yeah, and that's totally. really like the main horror of the game. Uh, yeah, well, if I was gonna compare Pony Island to any other game, it would probably be Frog Fractions. Which I think is a few years older. Yeah. It, it's not horror, but it just keeps like pushing what you think this game is farther and farther into like the realm of absurdity. And Pony Island does that with a horror flavor with the devil. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's so much cool stuff. Like there's moments where you kind of like glimpse other realities and like, you know, sort mm-hmm. of see that you know you are actually a person but you're like trapped inside this thing because when you're inside the machine all you can see is like the computer interface uh which is really good also like it's got this very like old school mac look to it like you're on apple 2e or something Mm -hmm. uh like early early uh graphic interface stuff and it is also like very glitchy most of the time. Like it starts breaking down and it gets really glitchy. Uh, the visual and sound design for that is great. Um, yeah. So the when you go into these like portals, the game it gets super glitchy. Like you're messing with the code, and it throws these logic puzzles at you that are kind of like a programming loop, mm-hmm. and um, it, it'll let you like drop in little symbols in the loop that kind of act like commands you can you can make it like stop and restart and or you can kind of like warp where you're at in the loop to other places it's kind of hard to describe but visually once you look at it it sort of slowly starts to make sense even though it looks like a bunch of like gobbledygook text on the screen yeah totally but that's also like the game constantly uses that as a tactic to overwhelm you. Mm-hmm. Like filling the screen with text and putting crazy puzzles up and doing all sorts of crazy shit. It does have sort of a bullet hell component a little bit uh, in some of the later like action stages. Because like you do yeah. still keep returning to the original pony gameplay, pony-centric mm-hmm. game style. Uh, you like periodically return to that and in some of the later ones it almost turns into like a bullet hell game or something 
Um, well, it's, it's funny because it starts out as such a simple thing. You know, you're just running as the pony. And then you'll do some code stuff. But then the devil will be like, hey, I added a new mode to the game. Yeah. And then so you jump in and there's an adventure mode. And then so there's kind of like an overworld screen like Mario 3 where you go from stage to stage. Yeah. And yeah, you end up having to play a bunch of stages. But then you get so caught up that um, the devil hasn't gotten to programming that yet. And you have to like wait for him to program it. I yeah. think it even makes you like shut the game down and restart it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So cool. Yeah, for sure. And there's, you know, there's tons of puzzles. There's different kinds of puzzles. There's a bunch of action stages. It's, it's a crazy game, and it feels like it just keeps evolving as it mm-hmm. goes. Uh, well, I love is- it when it jumped to 16-bit. Uh, mm-hmm. That was like a really funny uh, surprise because all of a sudden it's got like really cutesy graphics. It's not black and white anymore. And uh, all the hacking puzzles have turned into these, like, cute little butterfly puzzles. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the it's like the devil finished the game, like, yeah. as you're playing it. Or it's like E-version, like the original version and the HD version. It totally is. <laughs> <laughs> well, How meta. Yeah, and even in a more meta way to look at this game, uh, I know that this guy likes to make these strange mashup type of games because the one that he made after this uh, I believe it's called The Hex Mm. Uh, and like it's this game that's uh, where you get to play as all these different action heroes from uh, different video games so they're sort of like uh, knockoffs of real video game heroes Uh, and as you play through their stories you play each of them in like a different gameplay style and it's kind of like set mm. in this world where all these different types of gameplay styles like coexist. Like they all meet at a bar, you know? Huh. That sounds dope. Yeah, it sounds cool. Uh, I haven't actually played it, but I, I read about it and I was like, oh, I need to play this because it sounds cool. Um, but that was his follow up to this game. And this game has some of those same ideas where it's like all of these different gameplay ideas and thoughts of like what you could do in a game all thrown together. But the frame story and the design of the world that wraps all together is really, really cool. Like, yeah. And it's cute and endearing too. Cause the devil's like really goofy and, um, nothing's really scary and it's just kind of funny and silly the whole time. Yeah. It has some aspects of it that are kind of unnerving. Like I think early on the graphics are sort of creepy and it's got this constant creepy hum that you can actually Mm -hmm. see in the options menu. Once you can access, like it's got this weird glitchy options menu and there's a point where you can access that. And there's a box that's like creepy humming. Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's, it's kind of a deconstruction of a video game in general, but also kind of of a horror game. So yeah, there's even an options menu puzzle or two. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is a puzzle. Um, and you spend a lot of time like in the, the games kind of fake OS, Mm -hmm. which is once again, it's really cool. I think that's one way that you could do a game like this or a game. Like I'm scared. Uh, yeah, but I think there's a, there's a really funny moment where you have to go through the recycle bin and play the old deleted versions of the game. Yeah. It's so funny because you're like going through the devil's like drafts of the game. Yeah, totally. 
I think if you haven't gotten the picture, I would say the thing that really struck me about this game is just how dense it is. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not very long, but it feels like you do a lot and you have a lot of information coming at you at all times. I feel like he just came, kept coming up with silly ideas and he was like, fuck it, I'll do it. Yeah, for sure. The one thing I will say, you know, one reason that I haven't yet checked out the Hex uh, is like, that game just doesn't look as cool. Mm. Like the art style is kind of meh. And like the, the way that it all wraps together, it looks a little too like jumbled, you know, Mm. I think with this game, the whole design of the OS and the way everything looks and comes together is really cool. And even though it's constantly throwing new elements at you and making you do shit that you weren't doing five minutes before, uh, it's all wrapped together really well and it all like makes sense visually and it makes sense like in a gameplay sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you don't feel like f- I wasn't frustrated playing this game, I guess is what I'm trying to say. No, it did get difficult at points. Um, I remember there's this part where I had to like uh, play one of the auto scrolling levels at least like 20 times to get through it. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah. I mean, there's this great point where you, like, killed Jesus in one of the auto-scrolling levels. Oh, yeah. And it flashes that you killed Jesus. (laughs) So funny. Yeah, there's tons of weird, funny little jokes and stuff. I guess, like, I said what I said a second ago to say that, like, it almost sounds like we're describing something like Final Fantasy VII, where, like, you're constantly getting these, like, dumb mini-games, and you're just like, oh, my God, really? Press X to slap? Press X to, like, do the march correctly? Like, it's not like that. You know, Mm -hmm. like it's actually cool and it all works really well within the game. Almost the entire game is played with the mouse unless you're doing something where um, you have to interact with text. Then, you know, you have to type on the keyboard. But yeah, it's it's about 90% mouse. So, yeah, totally. And it's really well written, like you were saying. So there's funny jokes everywhere and there's good conversations all over the place so as it's changing and growing you're always like engaged with it which i think is very it's a really impressive game you know ultimately yeah and it's not long i think i spent maybe three hours with it three or four yeah it's like a three hour game um and there's like a hidden ending there's you know you can completionisty the play the game if you want to uh there's some Mm. extra shit but yeah it's it's really cool uh, I think it's really effective at doing the weird meta thing, you know, um, especially considering that it sort of puts another layer in there. Unlike something like I'm scared, like it's not writing to your desktop. It's writing to its desktop mm-hmm. for most of the game. But then there's a couple of, there's a couple of really good fake outs. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the steam chat, man. Yeah. Yeah. Got me. That one is crazy. And there's another one that I don't even want to spoil, but it's like really well done. Mm. Uh, And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll give you that one. That's really good. (laughs) Your Amazon Alexa starts talking backwards. (laughs) I realized that I kept thinking that I should say Amazon Alexa when I was making those jokes earlier, but I keep saying Amazon Fire Stick because A, I think it's funnier. And B, I keep thinking of that horrifying commercial with uh fuck what's his name um gary Busey. 
<laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-mm. Like back when uh, I still had the Hulu with ads, they kept running this ad for the Amazon Fire Stick. And like Gary Busey is, you know, a horrifying mess of a person in it. And he's just like talking. But at the end of the commercial, he says Amazon Fire Stick in this way that's like so fucked up. It's like Amazon Fire Stick. And he's like screaming and like spilling a drink or something. And I was like, this is the most fucked up commercial ever. Whatever Mm. ad agency came up with this should be disbanded. Everyone should be punished for making this. You know, fun Gary Busey side note. He was a elusive target in Hitman 1, but I never got to kill him. Oh, damn. I would have loved to kill Gary Busey. Yeah. Uh, I watched one episode of Celebrity Ghost Hunters with Gary Busey, and he was really creepy. He was super, like, sexist and weirdly Christian, and I feel like he maybe did something kind of racist, but I can't remember. Uh, It was horrible. I hate it. You want to see something creepy, Gary Busey? Look up the movie poster for the 1989 B-movie classic, Hider in the House. What is it called? Hider in the House. Hider in the House? Yes. Look look up that movie poster. How is that the title of the movie? (laughs) Classic creepy Gary Busey. Holy shit. Okay. (laughs) The hand on the window. Yeah. Okay. That is horrifying. Uh, but also how is the name of this movie hider in the house? That <laughs> I is, have this on VHS. That it has to be one of the worst movie titles I've ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. I need that movie poster for my bathroom. Oh my God. It's like that, uh, Roy Orbison song drove all night where it's like unintentionally super creepy. <laughs> and it's just like conjures the image of Roy Orbit old Roy Orbison like 1990 Roy Orbison crawling through your bedroom window which is like a fucking nightmare you know <laughs> with like the the raven black wig yeah and the big Ray-Bans yeah and the jowls <laughs> yeah hey baby it's me Roy his jow- jowls dragging on the windowsill <laughs> as he crawls into your bedroom I drove all night to get to you <laughs> Oh, God. Fucking horrible. On tonight's To Catch a Predator. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. My only uh, Gary Busey story that I have is kind of funny. Um, They were doing like a a film screening of uh, the Buddy Holly story. Just like uh, early early Gary Busey star uh, vehicle. You know, a lot of people, I guess, know him from that movie. And uh, so they were going to like borrow or rent a guitar from the guitar shop I worked at. So they could do like photo ops of him with like the buddy Holly guitar, you know? Oh, that's funny. Uh, and so they called us and said, Hey, set it aside. One of our like, you know, event assistants will come and pick it up. So he set it aside. And then as a joke, I just took a giant piece of paper and wrote hold for Gary Busey. And then just like stuck (laughs) it in there. So then all day people were like, is Gary Busey coming here? And I was like, no, (laughs) excellent but i got a chuckle you know i I was the king of signs at the guitar store i work at Um, oh yeah i put up a no sublime sign oh nice (laughs) and a uh, no singing sign oh god we we had a no singing policy but like you had to go around and just tell people not to sing and they were always like 
so unhappy. Yeah, they're like super personally offended that like it's not fucking singer songwriter night at the guitar store. Yeah. And then what's funny is that after I quit working there, it seemed like they just wouldn't enforce that anymore. So you just go in and just crazy people would be singing. And I was like, you need to go shut that down. No, like, dude. No singing, no jamming. Those are the They rules. should be fucking, they should be dragged into the street and shot. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, it seems like a harsh punishment, but I would say that if you're the kind of person who's going to go in a guitar store and sing, you've probably done something that warrants that, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Something this unrelated, is- but still. This is the future that leftists want. <laughs> it is really, honestly. No band uh, practice at the guitar store. No, well, yeah, that man. I'd say one of the most frustrating things about working in a guitar store was that, like, a small independent guitar store, mind you, was that everybody felt like it was their like free meeting point, right? Like we yeah. were the library, or like we were some big chain <laughs> that didn't even really need you to buy shit to exist. Like, no. We need all the space we can get. We need all the money we can get. Like, we're not a big chain. And it was just so frustrating. Yeah, to have people like, you can't come in here and practice. You can't come in here and try shit that you know you're not going to buy. You can't come in here and do a fucking Craigslist deal. Like, like we had so <laughs> many people who would come in and try to do Craigslist deals so I'd kick out. Or like, people who would come in and, and openly say like, hey, I want to try this pedal just so I can go buy it off of Amazon. Yeah. And like... I still nice. never figured out how to respond to that besides like, wow, that's really shitty. But like, <laughs> I can't like just tell you to go fuck yourself completely. Cause like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, but man, yeah, that was so fucking frustrating. Oh yeah. Working on a Saturday and three teenagers walk in, grab guitars off the wall and start practicing master of puppets. Yeah. <laughs> no, no dude, go home, go play in the ditch. Yeah exactly go to the garage and wait for your dad to be done trying to build a fucking birdhouse or whatever and then you guys can play master puppets all you want (laughs) i think the the best though was when people would be trying a vocal thing and then they would like need to do something vocally like they would be trying out a microphone or a pedal for vocals or something Mm -hmm. and then they like you you know you couldn't tell them not to sing and then it was always those people who just did the weirdest shit like, you'd always like, it was always such a treat to see like, oh, what's this guy going to do, you know, to like mm. try to like, you know, try this thing out. I think the best one was a guy who just sang like a part of an original composition over and over. Uh, and I can still hear it in my head. Uh, <laughs> it was like, it was okay. He was the weirdest dude, right? He was like, he kind of looked like, you know, when Nick Cave had the mustache and the receding mm. hairline. I mean, he mm. still has, I think he got hair plugs, but for a while his hairline was like really receding and he had a mustache and he was really crazy looking. Yeah. Like the grinder man look. So this guy looked like <laughs> that, but like not hot at all. Like he was just like that, but like even scarier looking and like not hot. Like Nick Cave's pretty hot, you know? Uh, <laughs> and like, that's what he looked like. And he was a nurse like I think he was like an in-home care nurse and so he would just drive around in his car all day and we'd see him just driving around all day like going to different houses in the neighborhood mm. and what he would do on his break would literally just drive around and like chain smoke in his car nice. and then sometimes he would stop at the guitar store and come in and he was like a super weird dude he just had a giant collection of like really cheap shitty guitars and that was like what he did for fun was just buy like <laughs> $150 guitars basically mm-hmm. um 
And uh, yeah, so then one day he comes in, he's like, oh, I'm looking for a digital recorder and like a mic so I can do some recording and stuff. And we're like, oh yeah, sure. And so we found him one, like an old used digital recorder and a mic. And, we, and he's like, yeah, can I just try it out quick? And I was like, sure. He didn't even go into one of the private rooms or anything. He's just in the middle of the store, plugs it all in, grabs the mic and just starts singing. All the pain and all the fear. We gave up so much just to be here. All the pain and all. And he just like kept doing it like over and over. <laughs> and like me and Cole were working. We just looked at each other like, what is happening? Like, what is this? <laughs> it was nuts, dude. I mean, look, if if there's... You've got a problem if there's no, like, shame in your songwriting process. <laughs> you should yeah. feel bad about what you create until it's good. <laughs> I don't know, man. I was kind of moved by how confident that man was in that... That's. I mean, I only heard the vocals, but I knew that song sucked. Like, and he was mm. just so... The craziest part about that guy, too, is like, we were always like, what is this guy doing with all these guitars? Why does he keep buying guitars? Like, what's the deal? Uh, and then he fucking died. Oh. And somewhat, either his sister or his widow or something, like, had to call the store and was like, hey, so uh, I've got this basement full of like 200 guitars. Uh, Holy shit can you guys help us sell them and we'll work out something financially? And that's what they had to like. They just had to get rid of all that shit. Wow. Which uh, made me very confident in my decision. To never own more than like four guitars. Dude, I, I would have went down to that basement and looked for that mixtape that he made. <laughs> yeah. You didn't check that task cam. Well, I wasn't working there at the time. Mm. Yeah. I would have been like, Hey, do you have a digital recorder? There's some like suicide cult theme songs and shit. <laughs> Dude, it's a good show. Koresh Tear vibes. Oh, man. Did you watch that show? Did you watch Wake Up? Yeah, Wake Up. Yeah. Yeah. That was good, dude. Yeah. Got Fuck my the police, man. Dude, got my boy John Leguizamo in it doing a good job. He <laughs> was cop. Yeah, but he's doing a... I mean, he's not really a cop, James. He's acting. <laughs> Speaking of image comics... John Leguizamo, <laughs> a.k.a. the bad guy from Spawn. Yeah, the Spawn starring the John Leguizamo. Yeah. Esquire. <laughs> Dude, I love him. I've always loved him. Yeah. He's, a, he's a fave. Yeah. What, Luigi? Oh, yeah, yeah. Luigi? Obviously, his greatest role. I only remember, like, the shitty roles. <laughs> no, those are his best ones. <laughs> what are you talking about? Dude. Yeah. So, uh, video games. Yeah, what happened? Yeah, I mean, uh, these games are great, and they're only a couple dollars. How could I not recommend them? Yeah, you should definitely play these. I almost feel like we did the intro course to weird meta horror games after covering all the other ones. Yeah, So. whoops. Yeah, if it's you good. haven't haven't played those other ones, play these first, and then go play those other ones. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Retro Month concludes. <laughs> this is like the bonus episode, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of, but yeah, no. I mean, I think I think we've now we've said what we need to say about retro games for now. Yeah. See you next week when we uh, cover some more retro games. Or will we?
club? Yes, you are, because you're listening. We're very inclusive here. So next up, it's Dead by Daylight, the game that's taken the Discord by storm. It's rocked our world. We're still playing online matches for fun, if you want to get in the Discord. I guess some people are playing Left 4 Dead 2 as well. I've uh, never played that, but I bought it for $2, so I'm going to play it. And after that, it's Echo Knight 2 uh, for the PS1. It's a game that never officially got released in America, but it has a good translation, patchable. Uh, if you're emulating, and we love Echo Knight, you know, uh, and so we're going to do Echo Knight too. Bit of fun for you. Okay, we'll see you there. 